of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. I'm joined by my colleague, Chris Williams. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah. So we are not joined by, I guess this is technically small talk. Uh, We're not joined by Catherine Rubino, who, as she mentioned on last week's show, was 39 and a half weeks pregnant. And if you can do math, it has worked out that she has had her baby and will, you know, not be with us for whatever maternity leave is in this state. So <laughs> congratulations. And uh, we will soldier on without her talking about the law and interesting things that have happened in the past week. So yeah, is, how's, uh, how's the other side of the world? It's worlding. It's worlding. Looking forward to I have another trip coming up. It'll still be the it won't be affecting like the, the work schedule. But oh, India. Oh, well, there you I'm go. I'm going to go to um, India for a bit. Nice. Um, like, like a week. Calcutta. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to street vendors cooking with their hands. They're yeah. Just, I see videos of it. It looks so it looks so foreign. I'm like, oh, my God, they're not wearing gloves. I'm like, if they wash their hands, function the same thing, you know? So I guess it's just like the culture shock of like, you know, I their w- expectations. I was informed by a prominent lawyer of Indian descent that I should not try to eat any of the street food. He he told me that <laughs> once. He said, and he did not blame the sanitation on that front. He said that just the Western stomachs are not really prepared for the water differences, and you can mm. you can get kind of messed up on the water that gets used. So that was just his his advice. You can you can brave it. I I felt like he was pretty knowledgeable on the subject, so I took it to heart. But there you go. I mean, I have been in South Asia for like the last three months, so that's maybe true. I have some. That's maybe true. I have so, some. Uh, yeah, you built up a tolerance. Yeah, and I had I had a remember actually because of months ago. I mean, I remember I told you I had like a bout of food poisoning. You so did. Maybe that was just a that was just a inoculation. You know, so yeah, so you might be this, ready. Yeah. Once I actually once I come back to the states and I have a sandwich from Arby's, that's when it's going to. That's going to be the problem. <laughs> All right. Well, so that seems appropriately small talked so let's talk about the big news of the last week and the biggest news of last week is that u.s news and world report the news magazine that hasn't really been a news magazine in several years because it's really just a rankings company i think ostensibly they do pretend to do news but u.s news released after many delays its law school rankings would you think it's safe to say that the U.S. news is basically like MTV for the prestigious? Like MTV has been doing music or television for years now, but the name's kind of stuck. MTV, well, yeah, but did you see MTV News closed? That was last week. Really? Yeah, they shut down. Yeah, no, for elder millennials, it was uh, it was real rough. It was uh, a whole slice of their life disappearing. I don't know how you've been surviving it. Are you in that camp? No, I'm an Xer. Okay, but good, 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 yeah. But I mean, I, as as a young Xer, I I, I kind of overlap a lot with the elder millennial mindset. But anyway, well, I hope you're doing okay, Joe. I've survived. I haven't watched yeah. MTV News in a long time. I mean, I feel like it was really a thing for a bit, uh, like yeah. the Kurt Loder 
Tabitha Soren years, it was it was really a thing. I feel like to the extent it exists, it has existed over the last few years. It's been kind of on the decline already, but it's sad because a lot of people got their start there. I thought the last time MTV News was relevant was when Video Killed the Radio Star was still on pop hits. I mean, that was the first video on MTV. And no, MTV News was incredibly relevant, especially through through the mid-90s, I would say. But yeah, like uh, a lot of the coverage of the 92 election was huge. That was uh, that was probably their high water point. Yeah. Anyway, the... U.S. News, uh, which is not that and is not shut down uh, because it still makes a bunch of money off of these rankings, has released its rankings after a lot of delays. There obviously has been a lot of controversy around it to the extent that multiple law schools, I believe the final tally was somewhere around 63 law schools, refused to participate, did not turn in their data to allow the rankings company to do an effective ranking. Uh, and then they were really upset with what the results looked like. So, you know, you get what you active. Look, 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 it's the, it's the uh, consequences of my own actions, as it were. <laughs> and ultimately, we also had some, uh, we had some people not participate who we thought were. Uh, Cornell said that they were going to continue to participate, but when the numbers came out, that it appears as though they changed their mind and just didn't tell anybody. So that was weird. But what we ended up happening is we got a new top 14. They previewed the top 14, then they had to go in and change it because the same people who refused to hand over their data complained about the data. Uh, and it got rearranged, not in a huge way. There's basically eight schools, there, there's eight places divided across the four, top 14 with a series mm -hmm. of ties. It moved from having two three-way ties and a couple of two-way ties to having I, what, three two-way ties and one three-way tie, well, whatever. At the end of the day, the same thing basically comes across, which is that Stanford joins Yale at the top. Chicago and Penn come after that. Harvard, NYU, and Duke are all tied at five. And uh, yeah, it goes on down for there. Uh, of real note is this is now the second year since the existence of the rankings that Georgetown did not make the top 14. A few years ago, there was a whole hubbub when they fell out. This year, they did again. UCLA makes it into the top 14 uh, to the extent that 14 is a relevant marker of quality, which it really probably is not. Well, my, my big takeaway from reading this is that now the top 14 has consolidated it to the top eight. Maybe Wash will finally be top 14. <laughs> I mean, that's not how ties work, but I love I love your enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, no, watch you. I did see where did it end up. I can't remember. This this is where you should know. This was like what you really should have been focusing on. Showed is the operative word here. Yeah, uh, so showed up at twentieth, twentieth in a tie okay. with Georgia. So I'm gonna need. I'm going to need the addresses of whoever made this ranking because okay. I just want to have a nice, polite conversation, you know. Well, so, well, let's see. How far are you place-wise from there? Uh, Georgetown is at 15. There's a three-way or four-way tie at 16. And then Wash U and Georgia. So. Oh, yeah. So that's like what? 11? Yeah. yeah if, you, if you counted counted ties that way, which you should not. I'm reminding people is not <laughs> how ties get counted. Listen, we're a bunch of lawyers. It's not about how things ought to work. It's about how things work. 
Yeah. And how they work is the way that I'm describing. I don't know. Have you been following uh, the Thomas situation? It's it's yeah. working. Uh, that has nothing to do with ties. Anyway, the <laughs> uh, so the the new rankings are out. Obviously, some people are still concerned about what happens uh, and how the folks over at U.S. News tried to resolve the boycott issue. Uh, they concocted new new plans. They gave a lot of concessions to the boycotters. Uh, some of those concessions had some perverse impacts, we learned. Among them, we learned that the new push, you know, like one of the knocks on the U.S. news rankings and in favor of the above the law rankings, which I will plug, uh, was that above the law always focused on outcomes more, the ability of the school to take somebody in and then get them to bar passage get them to a job, you know, those sorts of things. Uh, the U.S. news situation has always been based on inputs. What were the median grade point average of un the undergrad grade point average of the applicants? What were their LSAT scores, etc.? I did learn uh, via social media, someone pointed out that Belmont jumped a series of places largely based on a massively good bar passage score but it was a massively good bar passage score that did not take into account that they had massive attrition among their 1L classes. So a lot of people showed up, which was being counted by U.S. News, and then those folks disappeared, and the school got a giant, uh, a high percentage bar passage, and the formula appears to be counting it as though all the kids who showed up in the first instance past the bar, uh, which is not what happened since a lot of them were, there was a lot of attrition there. So, you know, those, that creates kind of perverse incentives to bring in large classes and then drive people out. Uh, it, it's not good. Uh, and these are the sorts of problems that develop whenever you try to massively change a ranking system on a dime. Anyway, the other issue, of course, is the employment figures. Uh, they the the big complaint to the boycotters is that they wanted more more credit for school funded jobs. Uh, this, of course, is ridiculous because the school funded jobs, while a nice way of saying, "Hey, we have trustee," you know, we have all of these trustees' money, and we can pay for people to do pro bono work. And isn't that great? Yeah, it sort of is, except the reason why the school is funding it. I mean, they're not funding it forever. And at the end of the day, these school-funded positions, maybe Yale isn't using it to pad its numbers, but the existence of these and the calculation of these within the rankings has always been a way in which law schools with bad employment records will throw a few bucks at somebody such that when the deadline comes around to prove that somebody who graduated got a real legal job, it counts that they're working as a TA or something like that. And then they get cut loose on the back end. The school looks artificially better at their job, placing people in work. And, you know, the the student is at, or the graduate at this point is actually no better off. The complaint of the elite schools that more of these jobs should count uh, will absolutely cause this negative impact down through the rankings so it makes those less reliable for anybody not relying and not not looking to the rankings for the purpose of whether or not they want to go to yale versus harvard uh, so all around bang up job ruining one of the few things that is useful and i and i can't even believe i'm i'm defending the u.s news rankings i mean these things are terrible 
and have always been. <laughs> but at least there was a plan, you know? At least there was some, you know, you don't take them as gospel or anything, but there were there were markers of quality within the the rankings that you could rely upon. You could assume, you know, a few good things based on what was in there, and now you just got nothing. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found. All right. So what's going on? You had a story about Ohio. Yes. So before this story, there was a story where there was um, pro is it Proscour? Proscour? How do you pro- say it? Proscour. Proscour. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I never I never heard somebody say it in conversation. It's, it's always. It's, yeah. Yeah. Proscour. It's always been in it's always been in text or like say, oh, this this firm, blah, blah, blah. But listen, but you know, I just me and my friends don't talk about Proscour. We talk more about I like here Karath Kravath is a big name. Anyway. Oh, for God's sake. All right. Go. <laughs> I'm probably saying that wrong too. Yes. Anyway, big law firm. There was a counsel who was dealing with a case and he's had a life happened partner was dealing with a pregnancy and he said to his opposing counsel hey basically need a need a bit of time just to get life in order counsel then decided this is a good prime opportunity to negotiate about the terms of what was happening in the case there was a judge he was like this is horrible where's your human decency blah 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 got it great props to the judge ohio not the same deal so there was a woman who was basically the head of a case And she then found out that because of some medical situation, she was going to be out of, she needed to be in the hospital for a bit of time. So she's like, hey, can I get uh, an extra bit to, you know, recover or what have you? When I come back, it'll still be within the statutorily statutorily accepted period, which, which, you know, justice can be served, it will still be timely. Supreme Court Justice of Ohio, five to two is like, nah, Um, which which is horrible one because the person that will be left to operate in her place is not the, you know, not the head attorney there. And she wouldn't be able to really have any input on the, on what was happening. And it was just kind of a shitty situation for somebody to have to deal with. Yeah. So, and uh, there were other issues involved here too, because the, 
the only person who was available to take over this case if they did go forward with it without the lead lawyer who was supposed to be on bed rest is hard of hearing. So even mm -hmm. though they, they understand all the issues involved, running the trial presents some degree of obstacles. So look, I, I've always, with all of these sorts of situations, you always have to wonder if you've got a situation where you have speedy trial issues in criminal cases and such like and so on. And there is some reason to say that firms should be Adjust, working around these sorts of, especially when they're somewhat predictable, they should be working around these to make sure that, you know, a criminal defendant is not put into trouble. But the weird thing is that the, as I was reading through your story, it seems as though the only argument anyone was making against this continuance request was some kind of victim's rights argument, which I don't even understand why a victim has any rights in this sort of situation. I mean, this is... This is very much about whether or not the poor defendant has to keep going with this looming over their head, right? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really understand that either. There was, it was lip service about like the right to a speedy trial. But yeah, the counsel was like, "This is still within the statutorily acceptable time period." Like, yeah, which seems like the basic, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they, if they're gonna have rules. You know, like we we should we should at least go all the way to the rules. I mean, we we had this issue. This is a weird overarching issue with civility in the profession. It, it, we had a lot of people complaining when Morgan and Morgan made their stance in reaction to Florida's new "we're going to screw over slip and fall victims" law, and Morgan and Morgan said, "Look, we're done giving out any." you know, courtesy extensions. We will do what we are required to by the law, but we're not going to give you any more than that if you're going to, if you insurance carriers are going to spend all of your money trying to pass laws like this that make it impossible for us to do our jobs. People complained about this and how this was violating the, the spirit of how collegiality works. But at the end of the day, if you have, it's nice if everyone's nicer to each other, but we also have legal limits for a reason. And so long as you have statutory deadlines, uh, you should at least be able to push people to those, right? You think? Yeah. Anyway. All right. So now moving to the to the other, the final big news of the week. Layoffs. Don't talk about layoffs. You kidding me? Layoffs. So we've got more layoff news, unfortunately. This time, Deckert uh, is laying off around 5% of their workforce. Obviously, Deckert is a large firm, and so this 5% is not exactly putting them in a position where they're you know, completely going out of business uh, or anything. But it is problematic to see more layoffs, especially as the economic news has continued to be favorable, and we continue to see more hiring. We've seen inflation stabilize now for, I think, 10 months. Deal activity seems to be percolating back. Why is it that these firms are continuing to lay people off, given that scenario and given that there's every reason to believe that the second half of the year is going to see a pickup in deal activity uh, is really, really problematic. But yeah, but, you know, I mean, it, we saw this a little bit with like with the Goodwin layoffs, their argument at least was that they were overinvested in practice areas that weren't particularly productive going forward. And they and, you know, it might not have been a great look 
for them to lay everybody off and then announce a massive lateral hiring move the next day, which they did. Uh, But they did that for a reason. Uh, They laid off people in a bunch of practice areas that they thought were cooling, and then they brought in a massive team in order to shore up an area that they thought was going to be booming. So we don't know exactly what was going on with Deckert, if this is a... This is an overinvestment uh, that they made, or whether or not this is something more, you know, systemic within the Deckard system. But it is another unfortunate layoff story at the at a time when things look like they were going to get a little bit better. And yeah, they uh, they're going to. I keep saying, and this was part of my coverage, uh, dating clear back to the Goodwin issue. Part of the issue. I fear is that they don't have the work to justify these salaries and pay these bills now, uh, but they're going to find themselves in a situation where they're overburdened with all this stuff by the end of the year. Now, what happens when you end up there, right? Like now you've now you've jettisoned all of the talent and expertise who's prepared to handle that sort of work, and now you do you scramble in the lateral market to try and get those folks back. You've burned a lot of bridges with the specific ones, so you're probably not going to get them. You're probably going to get new people, which requires new training. It just seems very short-sighted. I understand clients don't want to pay more in billable hours, but the argument could easily be you didn't give us any work for the first half of the year, and we kept these people on, and the reason why we have the expertise to help you now in the second half of the year is that those people, we had to we had to cover their bills out of pocket for the whole first half of the year. So you're you're damn right you're going to pay us an elevated hourly fee. But who knows if that's how any of these folks are going to deal with this. So that's that's where we sit. So is there anything else on any of these stories? I just think the the cycle of this happening is it is really odd. It's one of those things where like the, the consequences have been seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes you wonder why people don't learn from their mistakes. Yeah, because we did the we we've done this before. Uh, now, granted, the Great Recession, uh, things were things were bad for a while. So we, they they but they did ultimately have a situation where they found themselves with an expertise gap that they had to rapidly close. Now, granted, the, maybe the argument was that in that instance, having keeping people around for two or three years was not feasible. And so it was better to fill that gap on the back end. But bar, I mean, I, I think we all, we all have some doubts about whether or not the federal reserve is going to get its act together on this, but assuming, and, and we also have a debt ceiling vote that could cause a bunch of economic chaos, but assuming things worked rationally based on indicators, then we're we're not talking about keeping people on and underbilling for two or three years. We're talking about doing it for two or three months. But it is something, like you said, where you would think folks had learned from their mistakes. Oh, well. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for listening. You should subscribe to the show to get new episodes when they come out. You should give reviews, stars, write things. It always helps. You should be listening to other shows on the Legal Talk Network. I'm also the guest on the Legal Talk Week Journalists Roundtable. I would put in a pitch for the Jabot, but my assumption is that there's not going to be many new episodes of that for the next few weeks for the same reasons that we don't have Catherine. So we'll 
push right by that one. You should read Above the Law to get those new episodes, you know, get those these and other stories before we talk about them. You should follow us on social media. We're still over at Twitter for now. The publication is at ATL blog. We also have at Joseph Patrice and at Rights for Rent, which is Rights the W, like like you're writing on a pen with pen and paper. I also am Joe Patrice at Blue Sky now. I don't know. Do you do you, have you been playing with any of the alternates? Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. See, I created a Mastodon, but I couldn't really get into it because I I really feel like until there's a tweet deck equivalent, I can't really use any of these other things. Uh, not that there is for Blue Sky yet, but Blue Sky, when you get over there, it is it is questionably intellectual property issues uh the user interface doesn't just look like twitter it uh is twitter from like three years ago so with that i don't know how that's gonna work but it does suggest that if it is allowed to move forward that TweetDeck is something that somebody could easily build so anyway yeah so i think that's everything we will uh talk to you later peace If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.